Hello and welcome back to Bob Lab. After a while, I'm Nate here with Jason. Yes, sir. So, Nate, it's been about a month and a half since our last episode, me and you. Um, it's been like a good two weeks since the last episode, period. And even, and obviously in that last month and a half, quite a bit has changed. And, you know, the Red Sox are definitely in a much better, much different position now than they were then. And kind of are in a lot of a much different position even on july 6th when we when the last episode on ball Blatt was made yeah um we went to thinking but i'm just saying by the time of our last episode we went from thinking god dang get ready to sell now you know we're i don't know how many games out of the wild card it's not that many games back but you know we have a solid record above 500 i think doing the math it's what seven games above 500 yeah and, and- in my opinion, no reason to blow it up and sell pieces like Justin Turner anymore or no. Kenley Jansen. And I think this team is worth investing in. And I think we're, we're going to dive deep into this in a moment. But um, basically, this episode is going to be uh, us recapping a little bit of the team since then. And then our thoughts on what the Sox should do on the trade deadline. Trade deadline is on August 1st. And already some action happening, Nate, right? Well, it's official. Alex Cora will no longer need an intervention. <laughs> Kike Hernandez has been traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers for two kind of solid pitching, pitch, pitching prospects. I mean, we got a triple-A arm and a guy that um, has had, as I think, pitched around 10 innings in the major leagues and will probably get more reps in now. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of really in desperate need for pitching, especially on the starting end since... The bullpen games are really piling up lately. Do I mean? Are do we know if at least one of those guys are starters, or are they both like listed as? Relievers? I heard they're I heard they're relievers, but uh, the relievers are named. Um, let's see, I'm going on it right now. Nick Robertson and Justin Hagenman. But I think the big part about that Nate is we got pitching prospects. Yeah. I think getting two human beings for how bad Kike Hernandez has been for the team this year, I, he had negative WAR. Yeah, right? I mean, getting yeah. two human beings for him and sending like two and a half million dollars, saving some yeah. room before we hit the first uh, threshold on the luxury tax. You know, I'll, I'll take it. And like I was saying to you before, Nate, before I think Kike Hernandez was uh, he was not benefiting this team. He was actually hurting this team, Without and I think question. getting getting rid of him makes it so. Uh, you're a much better team because you don't because core doesn't have have to say okay kike hernandez is going to play playing shortstop today yu chang is going to be the guy till trevor story makes his return in a few weeks which i'll take considering his glove i mean i i mean like his hitting i mean he can hit a home run on occasion but like it's he's still hitting like 170 but i'll take but at this point with what we were seeing from hernandez i'll just i'll take a good glove because he has a pretty good glove I yeah think. and i think it was chad jennings reported but a a reason why the Dodgers wanted Kike Hernandez back. One, obviously, they have one of the worst infield situations because Mookie's been playing a bunch of second base for oh, them. Really? And occasionally he, shortstop. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, he. I think he's going to win, like, utility gold glove. Like, that's how good he... Like, that's how Is much that? he's played second wow. base. I think he, he has... I mean, obviously, it's still July. It feels like August, but... Yeah, and it's almost August. Um... It's almost August, but point being... Now you move uh, Mookie Betts to the outfield and then get Kike Hernandez to play second base. But the I think the main reason is they found a flaw in Kike Hernandez's swing and they think they could fix it. 
which you know i'll take because i'll take someone I'll, I'll get two minor league pitchers for how kike hernandez was performing this season for the red sox yeah and considering um that it seems that we weren't able to find much of a figure out that flaw in his swing considering that like he was just kind of bad offensively all year i mean i think the announcers on the red sox broadcast were saying that he was turning getting it around a little bit but like obviously not enough and i wasn't really seeing it so um yeah i I love that trade i love what we got for him i i think kike we got rid of someone who was literally hurting the team more than helping the team and I think another thing, like this is another thing I heard um, just watching a Red Sox broadcast, I think it was like the, on the pregame show from Tom Karen saying that like it really shows that um, like Jaron Duran is going to be a full-time starter. It doesn't really make things too crowded. Like this guy, like Jaron Duran's been incredible. He's just, the, the redemption for him is off the charts. And, but it was still annoying how like he was getting benched more often than not and you know, as Jer- probably for as Jeremy the overweight underdog would say, abdominal strain. But well, <laughs> well. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, like I, I don't think that's a, I, I think that's no longer the case now. I think he's a full time player. I feel like he's gonna be like playing um, playing center field consistently. I think that showed in the lineup la- last night. So. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that I really like about the Hernandez trade. Like, Jaron Duran is a full-time player now. I really think that. I think he's solidified himself in this long-term sustainability model that Bloom is supposedly trying to make. I want to see... I'm not convinced that Bloom is the guy to do it, but but the point is, simply, if you're going to have long-term sustainability, I want Jaron Duran in it. Oh, yeah. And in terms of the other guy, Alex Verdugo, who's finally making his return to the lineup today. Yeah, I mean, what was he on the lineup for? Two days? Three days? He was out in the last game of the Mets series, and he was out for the first game. Was it for not looking hitter-ish? Because it didn't really seem like there was any injury. Remember back in, like, I think early July a couple years ago when Benintendi was really struggling? I think this was 2019. He was benched for a couple games, and the literal reason that Cora said was that that he was not looking hitter-ish. I mean, I feel like we're getting into that territory because Alex Verdugo, man, I, w- I really wanted to think this was the year where he stepped up his game, and it kind of looked like that. We thought he was snubbed from the All-Star game. I mean, he like, was. I'll give him that. He was. Okay, he was, yeah, especially at the time, but, like, you know, I mean, and, you know, he had been playing good defense, but now it's just offensively, I feel like he's just... Re- falling back into what we've seen from him the past couple of years, sadly. He's down to, I think, the 270s. I mean, and, you know, batting average really is the thing with him because, like, he's not going to hit for much power. He's not going to drive in for many runs, so you really got to ho- rely on that batting average and um, that on base, and that's really taken down and taken down and doesn't help how streaky is and the fact that he just can't avoid these nightmare slumps because he's in a nightmare slump right now. I mean, what is this, 15? Yes, 20 games and he's batting like 150 it's not good not good i'm looking at verdugo stats he's down to 274 39 rbis seven home runs ops of 780 a little above average. his last 15 games he's has a batting average of a buck 27 and an ops below 500 wait, wait sorry can you repeat that 
OPS below 500. In his last 17 games? In his last 15 games. 15 games. Oh, yeah, that's, that's terrible. That That's nightmarish. In I mean, his like, last 30 games, 246 batting average. He has an on-base of 313. Not good for his standards. But his slugging, holy cow, 398. That's bad. What is that? That's an OPS. I would say it's an OPS below 700, wouldn't it be? No, it's 700. Right at 700. No, not right at 700. It's, what, 714? It's not kind of. I mean, like, average. At, at average at best. And, you know, it might, might hurt him a bit considering he plays at Fenway Park, and Fenway Park's definitely a hitter-friendly ballpark. Especially but he was doing it lefty. before. He was hitting before. Right, you we we can't excuse the fact that he was okay before, but, but he I feel like he's regressed back to old. And and, and again because of this nightmare, these whole nightmare slumps. Because he did a similar thing last year, got off super hot, and then for like a month and a half, I mean, it felt like he couldn't hit water if he jumped out of a boat. And <laughs> I think he like dropped to like the two twenties. So it's just like he, I feel like. Just a little too inconsistent, a little too really hot, and then just all of a sudden the bottom falls out. And I feel like with that being the case, like I listen to offers for him. Uh, absolutely. And I think if you don't trade him at the – I don't know if you can trade him at the deadline just because who would you – if you're going to trade Duvall and Verdugo? You kind of like – you like who you get back, you're kind of like, you know, just giving away your outfield. So I don't know about the deadline, but like – in the offseason. I, I, absolutely. That's my that's my next hot take. The Red Sox have to trade Alex Verdugo in, in the offseason. Because I don't... You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? Mm-hmm. If he if we, ha- if we have him in 2024 in April, he's going to be the MVP guy we all thought he was this April. I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to be like, look, he's going to fucking regress back to what he was before. Um, yeah. It, it's just... He's, he's, he's just too inconsistent and just the bottom is just too dreadful really for him like his it just because again like he can get into these funks of 15 to 20 games which is a pretty good amount of games where he's hitting like 150 15 i mean like the last 15 games he has an ops below 500 i mean that is the i don't even want to i mean that's i don't know i don't even want to know what that ops plus is it's probably like 40 i don't know no, it's not good. It's bad. It's very bad. But um, anyway, I feel like we should sort of kind of recap like the the schedule the since. schedule since our last episode, which was the last episode of Ball Blab, which was on July, 6th. which was recorded on July sixth, took place after the July fifth win, and you know at that time like they had at that time like you know it was a little after our big stream where it really seemed like you know it felt like the season was over after like losing five in a row and, like, a really, really brutal loss to the Marlins. But, you know, the Red Sox being the Red Sox, you know, they probably won four or five after that. But we'd think, oh, boy, like, knowing this team, like, they'll drop the next three. But no, they do not. They won the third game in absolutely crazy fashion. I remember watching that game. I think that, I that's, that, game. that seventh inning would never end. It was incredible. They In the bottom of the seventh inning of that game, I think – they had to have been down like 5-3 or something. I think they were down 5-4, actually. That was the they, longest inning I've ever witnessed. Yeah, they, they were down, anyway. And they scored six runs in the most absurd fashion ever. Like, everything was getting through. Like, not the, the Rangers couldn't make a play to save their lives. And it wasn't even that their defense was that bad. Like, everything was just, like, literally falling in the perfect spot. It was unbelievable. And then, you know, what do you know? The Red Sox play up to competition and take two out of three against a very good Rangers team. 
but they keep it going, actually, against a terrible Oakland A's team and sweep them. So they end the sec- the first half on a five-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um. So I- I- I'll be honest. I was away for the Oakland series, and huh, that was right before the All-Star break, right? Yeah. And you had this sense of momentum, momentum, and you're like, okay, you know, this team is starting to get momentum. Maybe there's something building off of it. Because we're saying at the All-Star break, oh my gosh, you know, people were saying this is the, this is the best they felt about this team all year. And I, I, had, I kind of had that feeling. I was, yeah. I wouldn't say a victim, but I kind of was like, okay, th- there's a lot of hope. But okay, after a we they've won. been they've been kind of around they've been six and four since then which is good but honestly considering the schedule not as good as I think they should be I feel like easily the big elephant in the room is this three game losing streak where they where they won the first game against the A's but lost the next two that's just unacceptable they they really like this is that they gotta get it together with with bad teams i mean now they've lost two out of three to the rockies they've gotten swept by the pirates and cardinals like it is impressive that they are able to play up but like no way that's sustainable all right that's hard to do like you know they're i feel like they're gonna come down to earth i wouldn't be surprised if they lose the game tonight against the braves so like this has got to change like this this is getting this is concerning this this is really concerning yeah i I think the the two losses in oakland were very very aggravating especially losses. the third game like the I th- third game I, the oh. third game oh my god it seemed like the, the the a's it seemed like they were doing everything in their power to give the red sox the game but like you know the red sox were down a lot early but then they sort of battled back to make it close but the end the offense just shut off for the last three innings and they lose six to five and like in a game where the a's made four errors yeah if the other team makes four errors you should win the game oh my god yes yeah I'm, three errors you probably uh, three is like okay, four at four absolutely you should win. Yeah, four means you have sloppy defense, and, and also like they were also like just making dumb decisions too. I was listening on the radio where like they tried to where a guy I think like the pitcher tried to pick off at first, but then the throw went uh, by him twice, I, twice. What do you mean? What do you it mean? Happened two times. Do you want? I watched a little. Bit okay, game. so wait a minute. Throws to first, goes by him, runner gets to second, then throws to second, goes by him, and he goes to third. I thought it was, like, throws to third, and, like, Duvall, who I think was on first, went from first to third. It was a pick off the first. For I remember Duvall. It got past it. But you know how Oakland's foul territory is so huge? Oh, yeah, On the first base side? He went to the bullpen, and Duvall was able to go to third. Oh, yeah. It was was wild. Yeah, it was was nuts. I think the same thing happened with Yoshida. Okay, I think now I think it's coming back to me. But yeah, like, I mean that that, that that that's a problem. Like the, the six and I mean six and four is decent, but when you have three games against the A's, considering that you know they took two out of three against the Mets and the Cubs, all right, that's a bit better. They're playing a little better against the National League, especially at home. But like this series against the A's, really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I think you're in a, in a little bit of a different situation if you win, if you sweep the. Um, Oakland A's because if you sweep the Oakland A's ever since you come back from the because coming back from the all-star break what the Red Sox are one two three they're seven four, and three five, if they six, won seven, one yeah. game against the A's and I think there's a huge difference between six and four in your last 10 games and seven and three mm-hmm yeah that is actually a big difference 
Yeah, I think this game tonight, like, we are recording this on July 26th at, like, 3.30, so well before um this game tonight. This is a big game. I really think this is a big one. Yeah, and I, and I said before the Mets game, I said— Which we went to, by the way. Game, yeah, great the time. Third, we had a great time. Yep, the third game of the Mets series, I said this is a must-win. You have to win this game. And they did. Okay, so maybe, maybe just maybe they'll they'll do it tonight. We do have Bayo, who's our boy. Hmm. I could also seeing him pitching eight innings and no hitting, like the Marlins and getting the loss. I can't believe Bayo got the loss. That's why losses don't has matter. His, has his run support been bad this year? Like, do you have any, do we have any idea what's? I don't think it. I don't think it has. Derek been. McGuire would know, but I'll, yeah, we, I'll look we, it up. We, we yeah we better. Yeah, where's Derek? Where's D Mag when you need him? You know, where's stats when you need him? Yeah. Um, but you know, let's talk about trade deadline stuff for a second. You know, well, first I feel like we should first touch on some of the players that have really stepped up. I think obviously Jaron Duran, but like, um, I think Tristan Casas. Yes, Tristan Casas. He's he's a different guy. I mean, he's like he's up to the high two forties. So like by this league standard, that's an average hitter. I think I think D Mag was also saying that the average. In, in league in the league right now is 248 so i mean he his batting average is right in the middle right around league average and like everything else is really coming together he's starting to hit more home runs he's still got that great eye but like i think this is something lou merloni said on the broadcast last night he's not just fouling off or swinging and missing at pitches to hit he's really getting good contact on it he's much less selective much less deliberate and it's really just great to see because, like, you know, our corner, although our middle infield's been shaky this whole year, the corner infield, you know, it's starting to round out a little. So, yeah, like, it's really great to see Tristan Casas. I mean, he's truly legitimately legitimately playing, been playing much better baseball as recently. I mean, it's as simple as the average in OPS at this point. I mean, we don't have to dig deep to the bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, I'm trying to find... What's a good what do you know what a good stat Nate is to see the run support? Average I think average runs scored in the starts. Like Um Would you consider that a nerd nerd stat? No. I mean I guess, but like it's not it's not it's nothing too complicated. It's like it's not I mean to calculate I don't think it's something that complicated. It's just like the amount I just I guess, like, the amount of runs on average the Red Sox scored in his starts. So, I guess it can count, like, after he, like, you know, leaves the game. Hmm. So, just look at the game. I mean, it's really as simple, I think, as just looking at the games where he started and just seeing how many runs the Red Sox scored in that game. Yeah, I'm on fan graphs right now. I want to see um, game log, um, major leagues. Let's see. Um, I can't, offense, can I see how the offense is done? I don't know. And I'm okay, whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to do that right now. But anyways, yeah, Tristan Casas, I'm not, I'm not, not sold on him anymore. I think I see, I see the talent because at the end of the day, what are you going to get out of a good Tristan Casas? You're going to get a 255 player, uh, 260. Yeah. I think at best. Mm-hmm. You gotta look beyond. He'll the take. He'll average. take. He'll take his walks. So he'll have a. He'll have a very good on base percentage, which I think can make up for it. You could. See, I think yeah. he's capable of having an on base percentage between three sixty and three seventy if he has. If he hits like between two fifty. And he'll and hit a bunch of home runs, which I, which I like. I think that's. I think that's really good stuff out of a guy playing first base. 
So yeah, I mean, like he he's really starting to show that potential. I just it kind of really goes to show that I think he was rushed just a little bit because like you know, it the really the only time where he was truly terrible was the first month where he was hitting like 150. Since then, like you know, in May he was a he was like all right. But he it was wasn't, better, but still like disappointing. He was, you know, all right, but not great. And then, like, June, he picked it up a bit. Now, he's really, in July, he's really playing well. But, yeah, I think, like, I feel like if he was called up just a little bit later, like, you know, his start wouldn't be as dreadful. I feel like, you know, his overall numbers would be even better. You know what pisses me off? What? People on Twitter are like, you have to apologize for Tristan Casas and his... You have to say, oh, you have to apologize for making fun of how bad he was. I'm like, why? Why? He was clearly not ready oh yeah i think he was called up too early i don't think he should have started the season on the team i think he should have maybe spent the the, at least the first three weeks in like triple a or something to see you know how he's doing and maybe call him up if he was doing well that that that's i feel like getting those triple a reps in is very important so yeah but like that's no longer the case i really think i i could see maybe i feel like this second half for casas could possibly be like you know in the same sort of stratosphere as Bobby Dahlbeck's 2021 second half. Remember that? I do. I, I, could see, I could see that happening. I could really see the home runs getting there and getting on base. So we shall see. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Like the same stratosphere. That, that is a great way of putting it. But I, I just don't want him to sit, stay at that stupid level of like Bobby Dahlbeck. Like, okay, he... How should I, no, he's got to build on it. He's like gotta next build season, on it, yes. he's got to build on it. So, anyway, um, yeah, Tristan Casas, I mean, Yoshida's continue to do his thing. It's not like, you know, he's sort of really, it's not like he's been doing this for a while. It's not like, you know, he's somehow, like, you know, gone to a different, gone to a different <laughs> level, sorry, since the last time we made an episode. So, he's been great. I thought there was another player I wanted to, uh, I mean, I guess. Connor Bra- Wong? Connor Wong? I mean, I guess maybe getting another catcher helped i mean it seems that like you know when he was really doing the full-time job and like catching i think 10 to 15 games in a row that's where he's struggling but now it seems that with alfaro in the mix and him not having this big of a workload he seems to be hitting so i guess that i guess that sort of solves the problem uh, yeah exactly um any other players paxton paxton oh paxton's great i mean i guess Crawford. we, I I guess we can touch on I, and also, since the last since the last time I was on an episode, Bayo hadn't really gotten onto his huge stretch of like just incredible starts. So yeah, like Bayo, I love Bayo. He he's great. He, I mean, he I love watching him pitch. I love his stuff. He pounds the zone, which is just incredible. Considering I feel like even the beginning of the season, it just like he kept nibbling, couldn't really throw strikes. But I love his confidence on the mound. I think that's another thing Jeremy taught touched upon he's like all right hit this so yeah it's i I love watching bayo pitch any start with him is a game worth watching i definitely agree with that um i'm trying to think of players chris martin um kenley jansen i think brennan bernardino our lord and savior nick pavetta pavetta there we go especially since like you know since our because like he's sort of a guy that's been ascending since like recently it's not like he's sort of been pretty good all year yeah Nick Pavetta I I mean it's just so funny like for a guy who was kind of pissed about being demoted to the bullpen he's kind of taken it in stride and it's just been incredible he's been awesome yeah I don't know what 
He says he he's done everything the same, but like holy cow, I did not. No one saw. I mean, I'll give credit to Jack. Jack said, "Dude, if you move into the bullpen, he's gonna be so much better." Look at him now. Yeah, it's been awesome. Like I've uh, just. I don't know. I feel like, you know, he kind of, maybe it's a mental thing. He feels a bit more relaxed in the bullpen, and, you know, he kind of shoves it a bit more, although, interestingly enough, he can pitch a good amount of innings. But I feel like since he doesn't sort of have that sort of starter pet like pedigree, like, you know, other teams, like, you know, don't really, like, taking that seriously, if, if, if you see what I mean. But, yeah, like, I don't really know why, but he's been awesome going in the bullpen. I feel like, I mean, he's always had the stuff, and I feel like it's starting to come into fruition now. And maybe I, he's got to be attacking hitters more. I feel like that always seems to happen when a guy who struggles with command starts throwing strikes. So, yeah, he's been awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you on that. So, I want to, I know this has been a longer episode for our liking. Yeah, it's been a but while, though. Let's, let's talk about trade deadline. Um, is this team worth investing in? I, I think so. I think so. If you add a couple more pieces and you got Trevor Story coming back, which improves the defense, that's still been god-awful. Yeah, that's another I mean, that's thing. Big, that's another big issue. Like Right-handed power, too. That's something you've been lacking. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. This team does have glaring issues, but you can solve them if you get you know some good pieces at the deadline. So, if you like, get maybe... One relief pitcher and one we got, bat, one starter, yeah. maybe like a Jordan Montgomery or a, yeah, someone, a Dylan Cease, something like that. Yeah, like a guy who can eat innings. I feel like a guy who can eat innings, I feel like it's definitely someone we got to go for because like we need another starter here. We basically have three harms in the rotation. I, like These constant bullpen games aren't sustainable. No, they just aren't. No, if it goes no, wrong, you're screwed. If, if, like, if your opener doesn't pitch well... Sure. Joe Jakes. If your opener doesn't pitch well, yep, see ya. Like, it kind of just throws everything out of whack. So, we gotta get some starting pitching help. I mean, like, the AL East is good, but in a way, it's kind of bunched together once you get past the Rays. Like, the Rays are 20 games above 500, but, like, you have one team in the Blue Jays that's 10 games above 500, and you have two other teams in the Red Sox and Yankees that are, like, 5-7. to seven. So, I mean, it's it's still pretty close. So, I mean... I think, like, you know, if I feel, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because, like, we seem so against it. Like, maybe maybe invest a little bit, but also, I think it, I think this is what you said before the podcast, sort of subtract and kind of add at the same time. Subtract the guys who are, I feel like, holding your team back. I mm-hmm. think Duvall's holding this team back a little yeah. bit more because Jaron Duran's not playing as much. Um, and then Kike Hernandez, I think, made this team worse defensively and offensively so if you get rid of duvall if because think of it if you get rid of duvall that puts jaron duran full-time in the outfield yeah the I reason mean, they're playing him is to showcase him before the deadline okay all right that, um what why else would yeah I got what, that why true. else he hasn't been good yeah i know i know i know i know i just i find that so funny because like you know i mean there's showcase uh, how do you showcase him if he hasn't been playing well but whatever um anyway but, yeah, I feel like sort of like – I feel like I guess we can say bye, but also, um, yeah, like subtract what we need to subtract, but, you know, but add too. And, and, so, and, yeah. I, think, and I think get some depth, like get, get sort of more like depth from within because I, I don't think – because I, I actually – this is one of – this is actually something I agree with Bloom with a lot. I think you said that we don't want to go for the big rental, and I get that. I really get that because it's not like – it's not. I think the Red Sox are playoff contenders, but I feel like that's kind of 
the best that, that they are. I mean, maybe, I mean, I feel like they can make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to, they can go deep. I really, I just don't really see that. So I think, um, you know, sort of, I feel like kind of sort of solving the issues with this team and sort of getting what we need instead of what, you know, sort of getting needs and not getting wants, like not sort of like going for this like huge, like, you know, sexy rental to sort of like, you know, maybe see if we can get a deep playoff wrong because I just don't think that's worth it. No, no, I'm with you on that. Um, you gotta, you can't derail next year's plans because I think when it's all said and done, Heimblum targets 2024. Yeah, especially we have a lot of guys with years of control, right? Wong has a lot of years of control. Costas does. Duran has a lot. Um, and we're finally, and you know, we got, and you know, we have a good amount of young players and we're finally sort of seeing, and we're seeing significant development from them. We're seeing significant development from Bayou. We're seeing significant development from Casas. Um, we're yeah. seeing significant development from who, who else? I, I guess we're seeing, I guess we're seeing some development from Wong too, especially on the no, defensive definitely. end. No, definitely. I mean, it's hard. You, Nate, you got to remember, it's very hard. Oh, and Duran, of course, Duran. That's who, that's who I would and like. And back man. to Wong. Everyone's like, oh, he hit, he kind of sucks hitting wise, and you know his defense, dude. He's so good defensively too. Needs to get better at framing, but yes, framing. I think framing is definitely fixable. Mm-hmm. But as but I was the saying, arm, it's like, hard. The arm is the most important part of a catcher's defense, especially now with the pitch clock and how you know it's basically your catcher's arm that can really keep runners from running rampant all over you. So yeah, yeah it's like, hard to find a good all-around catcher. But I will say, what's frustrating with Wong. He is not clutch in the slightest. He yeah, he's kind of like not the hitter you want to have up with like bases loaded, two outs. Absolutely not. Two outs, game on the line. If, if I'm like, if I'm the other team, I'm salivating when this guy comes up to bat in that situation like that. Yeah, yeah. We we play Strato a lot, right? He's gonna have three omegas on hits. And basically, if you have an omega on a hit, it basically overturns the hit into a pop up. Basically. It's a way of saying that the hitter's not When clutch. there's runners in scoring position in two outs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if that's the situation, then it's overturned into a pop-up. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah. And I think I think we're going to wrap it up in a couple. But my take is, you know, listen on offers on a lot of the short-term guys. Even Turner and Jansen. Listen. You can li- take calls. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to do anything. Yeah. If there's an offer that makes your team better for next year... Because at the end of the day, it would suck if we didn't make the playoffs. But at the same time, I don't want to suck next year. Yeah. Why not? If there's a basically what I'm trying to say is, if there's an offer for Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen, a good one, obviously, a good one that's like you cannot reject it. Do it. Yeah, because like I think yeah, I think because Turner's still 38 years old. I mean, he's definitely shown that he can still play, but you know, he's still. 38. I mean, it's not like he's part of this, you know, big young core. I mean, like, maybe he has... He's there for the veteran leadership. He isn't there for the veteran leadership, and I feel like, you know, we talk about how much we want to go with the youth movement and why we're getting old guys, but, like, it's good to have a sprinkle of them to sort of get that leadership in there, and I think that he's done well in that, done well in that, and also he's just been awesome. I mean, like, I feel, lately he just hits everything that moves. I, he's been your... I think he's been your most consistent hitter. Really? I mean, it's not like he was ever that bad to begin with. So, exactly. Um, yeah, like, I feel like, I guess, the focus should be next year. So, I next year. So, like, in that sense, listen to offers. And if for 
um, Turner or Jansen and maybe even Paxton. And if, you know, they're ones that you'll get a lot in return for, that can sort of like bolster the farm system and that young core, then take them. But like, so I guess in a technical sense, that's selling. But like, you know, selling doesn't always mean like bad or you're just giving up. I think the Orioles did a similar thing last year and look where they are now. Well, they said it's quote unquote like the last part of like the rebuild. Because I mean, look, Mancini had one... He had half a year. He was going to be a rental. And who else did they trade? Um, what's they, his name? I think they traded like... Jorge one, Lopez. Yeah, really good closer for them last year. So yeah, I feel like... So focus. So for the Red Sox, you know, Which, the focus is next year. Yeah. I guess, you know, technically sell if you really get a good offer because I feel like the young core is the focus. But if you don't then you know keep guys like turner and paxton around because they've really been helping this team and Mm -hmm. obviously get rid of the guys who have been hurting this team yeah and try and sort of shore out the glaring issues and the things in need like starting pitching and especially the defense Mm -hmm. yeah and i think we're off to a good start with that by trading kike hernandez yeah and getting a good return for him getting two human beings for kike hernandez but yeah this will be our last uh, recorded episode until the trade deadline is over. I think tune into a live show the day before on July 31st. Yeah. Probably go live sometime around 6:30. Yeah, I mean this team, man, it's just been a wild ride. This this is this is one of the most inconsistent. This could be the most inconsistent Red Sox team I have seen just throughout my time being a fan. I know it's not terribly I mean, long. It is. I mean, I think it is. It's just like this team wins four in a row, then loses four in a row. So like, it's like I get my hopes up and I just get my hopes down again like like literally coming in coming out of the all-star game i'm like dude this team is gonna be competitive win then we lose the oakland series and i'm like oh yeah we're fucking terrible again but then we're good again and but you I know could and, also they, could, and a- they could sweep the braves tonight and you know what I, okay i have he, i actually want to make a quick prediction for tonight's game i feel like what would sort of be the sensible prediction would be that Brian Bayo, maybe he starts a tiny mini funk after getting hit by the A's, and considering how hard he got hit by the A's, maybe he continues against the Braves, who are the best offense in baseball, and he struggles a bit, and the Red Sox lose. That would kind of make sense if, you know, to predict, and, you know, we're conservative with your predictions. But, since the Red Sox have made no sense this year as a team, I think Bayo is going to absolutely shove, and he's going to pitch seven brilliant innings, and give up no more than one run, give up no more than three hits, no, walk no more than one batter, and the Red Sox win it three to one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to address Bale. You know, the Oakland the Oakland game, you know what? I get it because you're not always going to bring your best stuff to the mound no matter how good of a pitcher you are. And no matter how bad of a team is. And, yeah, no matter. So unless, you know, even if Bale struggles, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be like, okay, you know, two bad starts. Maybe he needs to make an adjustment. So, I'm not worried about the Oakland game. I think he's he's shown us he can be really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, my prediction: who they got? Spencer Strider. Strider's one of the best pitchers in the game right now. I think um, they'll get. I don't know. I just feel like Bayo's just gonna be lights out, and the Red Sox will get just enough to win. That's what I, I think. Like I mean, like you, you, I mean, you would think like it's the really, it's a really good offense. He struggled against a bad offense, maybe, and the Braves are a really good team, and the Red Sox have struggled against the National League at home. It's so maybe they'll split, but you know that would kind of make sense to think. But the Red Sox have made no sense this year, really. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, yeah, I think that's a wrap. Go, yeah, go Sox. Go with Sox.